What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. How's it going, everybody? Tess, how's it going? It's going. It's a nice, cool day here in Gainesville. The sun is out. It's not raining for once. I've got a coffee. It's it's a good day. Those are vibes, if I've ever heard of them. Uh, Vendela, how about you? It's good. Um, I was in Gainesville this past weekend, and I caught a cold from being there. So, no. you know, that's that's what I got. But it was a good time. It was totally worth it. Don't <laughs> throw Gainesville under the bus. Dude, I know. Well, you know what? It could have been FSU. Could have been go. FSU. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. It could have been that, too. So I'm not pointing any fingers. It was my own fault for going. <laughs> but, yeah. So in the past, we've done some episodes where we take a second and we just acknowledge the drinks and snacks that we have around us while we're filming. I don't know if you guys have anything, but I I can go first. Um, (laughs) This is actually very abysmal, but this is an empty water bottle that had vitamin C packets in it because I'm worried about getting sick. And then this is my empty bowl of what was tikka masala because India food is like my favorite thing on the planet. Test you. Do you want to go next? Sure. I have an iced coffee with lavender syrup and oat milk because the coffee shop we have in like the ground floor of Gator Wesley here does happy hour every day. So it's a $3, any size, any flavoring, any milk, iced coffee. Dude. So I buy one a little too often. So that's what I have. And then I have my like giant water bottle because I don't oh drink enough God. water during the day. I call well, it my self-defense water bottle because I'm like, who needs pepper spray when I could just whack somebody with that? Dude, that's like the classic like cartoon. Like it would knock somebody out just immediately. Well, no, and it's like metal. It, it would hurt. <laughs> and then, then like the less you drink, the safer you are, which is kind of interesting. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, this was actually sparked by the fact that you had your coffee come in screen, and I was like, oh, we haven't done that in a while. Uh, Venola, what you got? I have um, a matcha latte today, and I made it myself. I just got a new matcha kit, so I've been, like, using the little whisk and stuff, and then it has a little bit of honey in it because I don't want it to taste like straight dirt. So it's really <laughs> good, though. <laughs> Otherwise... I wouldn't drink them, but I do need the honey in it or else it's weird. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we can we can officially get, get rolling now. I'm going to open us up in prayer. Uh, dear God, as we move into the second week of Advent, um, I once again just pray for the things that come with this season, those being humility, family, um, loving one, one another and generosity overall. Uh, I pray that you be with us during this conversation. I'm um, pretty excited for some of these texts and how they relate to everything that's going on right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And that starts us off with Vendela. You ready? Yes, I am ready. Take it away. So, so my um, scripture is First Peter chapter 3, 8-15. And it's funny because as I was reading it, it just kept bringing me back to a place of childhood. Like the things that it was saying, I was like, I feel like I've heard this in a nursery rhyme or like something I used to say when I was young or like uh, things that I used to like pray about all the time when I was little. There's one line that says, um, since everything around us is going to be destroyed, 
you should be looking forward to the day of God coming back and hurrying it along. And I remember, like, very clearly when I was a child that, like, every prayer would end with, Jesus, please hurry up. Like, please, like, please come right now. And that definitely could have been because I was, like, failing math in elementary school. And, like, I just was like, can we just skip this ahead? Because, like, I'm so done, like, not knowing what algebra is. Um, But, yeah, like, I just, it was kind of, like, nostalgic. Like, I was like, oh, I remember when I was constantly saying that. Um, And I don't know, like, maybe it's because I'm not failing math anymore that I'm not saying that. But I think it's really interesting because later on it says that, like, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. And I was like, that is so interesting to me because, like, I don't know, like, God is, has all the time in the world. I mean, we'll read it in, like, another one of the scriptures that I think we're going to read today, but it was kind of talking about time. And I was like, that's so interesting because it's like, God has all the time in the world and, like, he could totally just, like, make it happen right now, like, you know, the coming of Jesus and stuff like that. But, like, he's giving us a chance, I guess, to be godly enough to be accepted into heaven. So I just think that's really interesting to me. And when I was young, I used to always say, like, God is patient. God is kind, like, in this, like, little, like, nursery rhyme kind of way. So that's what that reminded me of, too. But I just really liked it. It was just very comforting, even though there were some parts of it that were, like, about destruction and, like, things like that. But I think that the Bible is just really like that sometimes. They're in the same line. It'll talk about destruction, and then it'll talk about, like, vulnerability and comfort. And it's just kind of, for me, a reminder that God is, like, there's two very different sides of how God is depicted in the Bible. And I just think that's really interesting. Um, And maybe it's just so that people can relate to God in so many different ways because it's like if you want a God that's going to be super you know strict about what's good or bad or evil or whatever or if you want a God you want to think of God as someone that's like very loving and kind and like accepting of everything then I think there's sort of depictions like that in every part of the Bible um and there's very like diverse depictions of God which I think is interesting so that's kind of what I got out of it that kind of like diverse depiction and then also sort of like reminded me a lot of childhood and the things that I used to like pray about then. But yeah. I, I, I love it when we can equate equate scripture to, um, to like nursery rhymes and like how children can read the Bible because uh, this is a very loose connection, but I have to say, because I think it's really funny. Like, okay. When I talk to children, children don't make sense. Like they'd ever make sense, but that's like the beauty of it. Right. And, um, and I just, I'm also thinking now, as you were saying that Vendela about how like God's concept of time, like you said, doesn't like, it doesn't, it's totally different and we can't grasp it. We can't understand it. So that, that like um, juxtaposing like children and God is always so strong to me because, because they, I mean, they share a lot of similar things and it's just beautiful. Uh, I I wanted to back up also and and just note out verse 10, because when I read this, I was like, oh, that's, that's really interesting. It's just, um, I don't know if this is different translationally, but mine says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And uh, I just think it's just worthy of noting like God's tireless effort to like show themselves in all aspects of the world, every type of person, every everything. Uh, by the day the Lord will come like a thief. I don't know. Thief, not something we would typically expect God to come in. So, so yeah, the multiple representations of God. I don't know. It's cool. 
Yeah, I like both of what both of you said. Um, Vendela, the whole patience thing, like I loved that because I feel like we've talked about this on a lot of episodes this semester of just like how our own faith kind of ebbs and flows. And there's like periods where you're really strong in your faith. And then there's periods where some doubts creep in. And so I think the like patience and I don't remember exactly what the line was, but something about like giving time for more people to be saved. I was like, that's so, I don't know. I think those two go hand in hand because it's like, you know, you kind of move through life at your own pace and things change. And if it was immediate, then that would probably not be good for a lot of people. And then like what you said about the thief part, that was really cool too. Cause I didn't even think about that, but yeah, just like, associating God with something that we normally connotate as so negative is like just giving more perspective, more depth. Yeah. Great start. Great start to this y'all. Awesome. Um, we're going to go a little out of order today. I think just for the pure heck of it, we got three people. Why not mix it up? Tess, do you want to take us into Psalm 85? Absolutely. Take it away. Um, so Psalm 85 is about, I don't know why I am like saying one word per second. Psalm 85 is about um, the people recognizing that the Lord um, has shown favor to them, has forgiven them, has, um, it says, restored the fortunes of Jacob, all of these things. But what I really want to, or what really stood out to me when I was reading this was verses 10 through 13. Um, so it says, love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth the, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield the harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. So I think through these couple of lines, um, like there's lots of good things, you know, love, faithfulness, righteousness, peace, all of these things. But what stood out to me was the, like, if you visualize what's happening here, this idea of that it's coming from like every direction, it's coming from the earth ground up, it's coming from the heavens top down. Um, righteousness goes before him. Um, love and faithfulness meet together. Like I just get this picture of like an all encompassing, um, I don't know, just like awareness of God that wherever you may be, physically on the planet or in your own faith, literally wherever you are, um, there is some form of God's comfort there, whether that's love, whether that's faithfulness, whether that's all of it. Um, yeah, but that really stood out to me as like a, just how many different ways can we say <laughs> throughout four verses, how many different ways can we say that God will be there and God will be with you no matter what space or time you're in? Yeah, when you said it's very, like, visual, is my camera okay, by the way, really quick? Yes, okay. Yeah, when you said it's very, like, visual, I completely agree. It's using these, like, crazy, ver at least in my translation, like, words that says it, like, springs up from the earth, it smiles, it pours, it's yielding, it's heralding. Like, I'm, I love, I love the descriptive words because for me, like, as a reader, I'm just somebody that, like, I really want to visualize things. Like, I want to see all of this coming together, the righteousness and peace. It says 
and my translation it says righteousness and peace have kissed and I was like oh my gosh yes like I'm loving this descriptiveness and I think that it's just it really like brings a visual representation to like what people talk about when they say like God's or everlasting, like all encompassing kind of like love. And I think that's, I don't know, it was really fun. It was kind of a fun read for me, to be honest. And there's so many times that I'm having like fun reading that. Like, I mean, not to like diss the Bible or anything, but like usually it's very like intellectual, like you're like soaking it in. But this one, I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, like I'm loving this. So that's all I really have to say about it. But like, I don't know. I just really, I enjoyed it. This is frolic through the meadow, like scripture right here um have you seen those like videos this is so dumb those videos where like words come flying at people and they like bat them away do you know what i'm talking about that's like this scripture but instead you're like receiving it like love faithfulness ah this is also the like a beautiful argument for the sloppy wet kiss conundrum and the how he loves songs also my favorite meme ever is a picture of howie mandel and it says how he loves doesn't matter anyways um I, I, I'm like stuck on this la- the last verse. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Um, and I won't go too much into it because that like sums up everything I wanted to say about the um, about the gospel text that comes later of just like this idea of preparing a way for um, for God. Because I think it's very often for us to to know the imagery of like we're following in God's footsteps, but then to hear the the flip side of that, which is um, like what goes before God and prepares the way for God's steps, which is like a really interesting thing to think about, which we may or may not talk about later, but uh, we'll get there until we get there. Um, I'm, we're going to go to a break and we'll see you very soon. And we're back. You probably didn't need a break. We it only been a couple minutes, but you know, we want to respect your time and what you need. So maybe you did. Uh, I'm going to launch us right back into the text here with our gospel text. Again, a little out of order. We're going crazy. Who knows? It's Advent. We just love Jesus. It's great. Okay. Uh, Mike, are you ready? Yes, I am. And here I go. So this is uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, I'm going to read a good chunk of it just because uh, it's pretty short. So we start with kind of a, what I'm going to call the prophecy here, the beginning of the good news from Jesus uh, about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah. Uh, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And then we end with, um, I baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the biggest thing for me is kind of what we talked about earlier, what comes before Jesus. So John the Baptist is our front runner here, um, as it is in the the history of the Bible. And uh, as in all great, like all of the greats of history, um, there's always the person, the front runner, the person who comes before and declares the way of the greatness. Uh, 
in the in the Bible, it happens to be John the Baptist. Uh, we see this with like kings. You know, the person comes out with the trumpet call. Here, the king is here. Whatever. Um, so I think it's cool that we've kind of continued this tradition for a very long time. Um, but again, what comes before Jesus? John the Baptist is the front runner, and uh, it also like having that person kind of signifies that you're going to be the bomb. So, uh, so here, um, John the Baptist kind of prepares the table in a sense, sets the stage for what is coming. Uh, he says something great is coming. I'm letting you know this. I'm doing this sort of symbolic baptism and prepping you for what's to come. I will baptize you with water, but he will with the Holy spirit. So there's some interesting thoughts in this for me. Um, so not only is I, do I think this professional is just kind of kind of cool in making the way, but I also think it relates hardcore with this sort of anticipation that we talk about in Christmas time, um, specifically in our lives. Um, Christmas becomes this very sort of um, heavy anticipation, right? Like we have a whole month for some of you who start decorating before Thanksgiving, a month and a half uh, where we're just like building and leading and there's all this anticipation anticipation and excitement surrounding this. Um, and then, you know, we're given the scripture that kind of does the same thing. So I think there's a huge uses of John the Baptist being that excitement and setting the stage. Um, and then I wonder, would people be receptive to this information without knowing about it ahead of time? So is there something interesting about, um, about the fact that we're setting up these things. I specifically think about like, I have friends who, when they watch a movie, they have to look up the spoilers before watching the movie. I do not work that way, but I wanna respect the, that there are people that do, right? So I wanna know what's gonna happen before it happens because that makes me more receptive to what's possible. Like I need the setup, I need the trailer for the film, the orientation, the know-how, something that I can know to look for. Um, and then it calls into question for me how well I show off the return of Jesus. So if everything's building up to this return of Jesus, how well am I showing it through my actions, my body, my literal just being on this planet? Like how am I um, paving the way, setting the stage for um, the return of Jesus, especially with the acknowledgement that there's probably quite a ton of people out there that want to know what's going to happen before it happens, right? So it's one it's one thing to say, uh, I can't wait until Jesus comes back, um, and then you just kind of sit there. But it's another thing to take that active role in the gospel um, because that active role doesn't stop until Jesus returns. So what does that active role look like in relation to Christmas? Because again, Advent, week two, here we are. Um, and I think it's active in all the other holiday traditions that we have in Christmas. Um, again, we kind of mentioned this in the opening prayer, generosity, giving, service, all these elements that do come about us in our hearts and souls through the spirit of Christmas and um, and our family time and everything. You know, we, get, we start feeling called towards generosity, a recognition and humility in the positions that we have in our lives. And it does kind of drive us to service. So then I say, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid argument for what an active role in relation to like our lives we take, right? So if we're actively prepping for the return of Jesus and taking that hardcore to heart, um, then it does look like us taking care of others, embodying humility, just like John the Baptist did when he announced Jesus's return back in Isaiah. So I'm going to leave it there. Hopefully some of that resonates with you guys. Love to hear your thoughts. End. Yeah, um, I wrote down a couple things as you were talking because I have such trouble like remembering everything I want to say. So I was like typing like while you were talking. 
But um, you touched on how, like, some people prefer to have, like, sort of a clue or, like, a trailer as to, like, what's to come. And I think that, honestly, that's not only important because people want to be in, like, control, but also I feel like so that people are, like, curious about, like, what's coming. Because I think it's so important for people to be able to choose something for themselves. You know, like, I... That's why, like, you get confirmed again, I guess, is because it's, like, you are choosing that thing. Like, you've been introduced to it, and, like, you've been told, like, what a life could look like with God. And now you have to go ahead and choose that for yourself. And so I think that that's also, like, another great reason why there are those messengers that go ahead. And that messenger may not be John the Baptist. Maybe it's your parents raising you in the church. Maybe it's your friend who introduced it to you. Maybe you've never been introduced to it, but then you go to... UF and you're in Studio Wesley like at UF so it's just so many different possible like messengers and I think that that's super important because it's not um something that you have to do ever it's something that you have to choose and so I I really like that idea um for me at least like a literal example is literally just that like when I went to the second Spider-Verse movie I didn't know it was a cliffhanger because I didn't look ahead, and I was so mad when that movie ended on a cliffhanger. So, there you go. If I had known and gone in knowing it was a cliffhanger, I would have been like, okay, and I would have been fine, and I would have chosen to like the movie. Bro, me sitting, me, sorry, me sitting in the theater being like, there's only like 10 minutes left in this <laughs> runtime. Where are we going with this? <laughs> yes! I was like, there's not enough time to wrap this up, but like, okay, I'm trusting the writers. Yeah. I'm just going to trust them. Should never have trusted them. Mm-hmm. But then um, even, like, you knowing the runtime, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, there's 10 minutes left. Like, there's got to be some sort of end yeah. to this. Like, even totally. then, that's still you wanting to, like, yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, I think people just want to be in control. People want to choose for themselves. And it's important for them to choose for themselves. So, I liked that aspect of your scripture. That's also, like, the piece that stuck out to me. And I was just, like, sitting here thinking of so many examples of it. Like, all of my friends use closed captioning when they're watching Netflix or something. And the words always pop up before the characters say them. And so it's, like, you laugh before it's even come out of their mouths. But, like, you're still watching it. Like, you're still reacting to it. But it's just, like, a weird order. And even, like... I've had people spoil the end of books for me before, but then I'm still like, ooh, how did you get to that point? Like, I'm still going to read it. And so I, like, agree with the whole control thing. Um, But I also don't think that it completely eliminates, like, the need for you to kind of journey through that on your own and, like, figure it out as you go. Um, There's something else that I was going to say about that. And now I don't remember... Yeah, I don't know. We're just gonna go with that. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how? Do, what does that say about our like? A, I mean, God's God's desire for us. I mean, again, you're talking about like our our say and our choice in the matter, right? Like, I I, I think it's very cool that we get this sort of this sort of preface beforehand, um, and that yeah, all these people. I mean, even with baptism, it's like. I mean, I'm sure there's probably remnants of baptism everywhere, but this idea of like, I'm going to baptize you with water, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything, but it's paving the way. You're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? You know, um, maybe we we can also equate this to like a sample at a at a at like a grocery store, like a little a little, little taste test, little taste, little tasty here. Um, 
Okay. Uh, thank you guys so much for engaging with that. Um, so we're going to wrap up with our Old Testament text. We're going to jump back a little bit, which is kind of, kind of, I think, fun. Um, and we're going to do this as if you've watched the show before, our three-person format. We're just going to kind of open discussion this. It's a long scripture, so we're not going to read it out loud this time. Um, but we've all we've all taken some time, looked it over, and um, I would love to hear Vendela and Tess, you guys' thoughts on this. Um, again, you get to start wherever you want, and we'll uh, kind of all mics, all mics off, open discussion this, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I can introduce it because there's like two chunks of the text that kind of stood out to me. Um, the first is verses six, or like part of verses, verse six through verse eight. And this is one that like, so a pastor at my church when I was a kid, like this was just his thing. Like every time he read text, like before he really started a sermon, he would start with a piece of text and then he would say, um, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So that's just like been ingrained in my head. So I love this section. Um, but it says all men are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. I am also just like my mom's an English teacher. So metaphors, and similes always just like draw my attention, but I really love mm. this. And like, it's obvious that the emphasis or that there's emphasis here because it repeats the grass withers and the flowers fall twice. Yeah, It's so important to have that in here. Um, and so I think it's just also thinking about the context of the Bible as in like, the wars and the fall of kingdoms and empires falling in this time period, like all of these things are changing constantly and there's defeat and all of this, but the word of God stands forever. Like that is everlasting. That's going to outlive everything, every man, every man's pride, everything that a man has left behind or woman, yeah. but like human, human. Um, but yeah, I just, I love that metaphor. And then I, I think it just speaks volumes to, um, like just God's power and size. And in some ways it makes us seem really small, which I know isn't always like seen as a good thing, but I do think it puts into perspective, like what's important and what's not. Yeah. I want to yes. And the imagery too, by saying like the, the withering and falling of, of natural things is also seasonal in this, in the fact that it does come back. back. It does regrow. Yeah which is um, really nice. Also the imagery of like wind blowing on a, like a, like blades of grass. Um, and you're like your part in a much bigger thing is, is pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love the imagery. Like we were talking before. I loved it, but I also, I liked, um, I thought it was interesting that similar, like when I read scripture, I like kind of, try to break it down into chunks or like sort of like look at how it's talking I guess and the first part it was sort of like comfort they said speak tenderly he was saying like there's sad days but like he's gonna comfort um Jerusalem and it talks about Jerusalem like as a woman like he's gonna comfort her and whatever and then it jumps straight into people shouting and he's gonna level the mountains and like all this stuff and I was like whoa I was like, oh my gosh. But then at the last part of the of this scripture that we chose, it says, 
he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs. I was like, wow, we are really getting a, a roller Dude, coaster. yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I kind of liked it because it was, like, like we talked about before, like, there's so many different kinds of, like, depictions of God. And so I feel like, for me, the, the like, carrying the lambs and such, like, I like that. But also I feel like that reminder of his strength is important, too, because, like, he will use that to help you, you know, like he will use that for you against your adversaries, which don't have to be physical. That could literally just be challenges in your life. And so I think that drawing on all those different depictions in one chunk of scripture is so interesting to me. Um, yeah. And I liked the visual metaphors and such as well. And how like, so glad, oh, go, you I'm go. I'm so glad you brought that section up because that was like the second piece that I noted from this was like, even just between verses 10 and 11, like 10 is very strong and he comes with power mm-hmm. and his arm rules for him. And then 11, it's like, he carries the lambs close to his heart. He gently <laughs> leads them. And I'm like, okay, which one is it? But I sort of like we talked about earlier, I think it speaks to the like, no matter where you are in your faith journey or even just your life, like whatever you need at that moment, that's available for you. If you Mm. need the strength, if you need the challenge, or if you just need the comfort, like there is some form of God that is like there to help you through that. I, um, I think it's a perfect, also a perfect Advent text because I can't think of another holiday season that feels more like, this like (laughs) a roller coaster right like yeah all these parts speak true at all different parts throughout like our advent season um whether it's like you know the sorrow that comes with like having holidays for the first time without a loved one for example or like um the like the joy and excitement of children opening presents you know like literally all of it exists through all this that those highs and lows of emotion just i mean that speaks that speaks advent to us and you know in the second week you're already like You've already started, you've recognized it, and here we are given a scripture that shows like the return of Jesus in the exact same way. Um, and that's that's really most of the stuff that I, I kind of wrote down for this whole chunk is like I like it, it just became appar- apparent to me, which it might sound dumb because I think it's a very common connection, but the dichotomy of like the birth of Jesus with the return of Jesus, like and those two things living together. I never really like thought of it super hard until now of just like why those things matter so much and why those, that imagery is so strongly connected. And then of course you have Easter, the return, another return of Jesus, right? Like, and all these like big images all kind of coming together and it is a party y'all this, this thing read like a party to me. Anyways, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, Whoa, we're like, we're crying out. We're going crazy. Um, And then as it relates to this podcast and like, like, a young person's sort of like engagement with the Bible and um, what we can kind of foster through that. Um, I'm just thinking of, of the return of Jesus. So I've always struggled with that. I'm going to say, I'll just open it up here on the floor. Cause this is like my own personal kind of engagement with the return of Jesus. Um, and sometimes it borders like really close on universal salvationalism, which was like a whole other topic, but whatever. But um, we, we have it here. I'm, I won't look for the exact verse, but we have um, God transforming like earth to become like a new heaven, right? This, this imagery of like earth becoming perfect, earth becoming heaven. And then we also have um, the statement from the Bible that says those who reject Jesus on earth will, will like 
be sent to hell or sent to suffer. And I just like, again, as it is with like new, new generations and people engaging with like the return of Jesus for the first time, I just think it's something to think about of like, how do we review the, the returning of Jesus and who is it for? Because, um, we always read about it being this joyous, beautiful thing, but then if the return of Jesus means like damnation for so many of our loved ones and people, like why isn't that talked about more? Like why aren't we more worried <laughs> at the coming of Jesus? Because there has to be a crossroads where we engage with the emotion that comes with, if we're talking in a black and white sort of scenario where there's salvation for some and not for others in the end times, then like, why aren't we also engaging with the emotions that come with both sides? So again, all this leading to my argument of just like, if uh, we're transforming earth into heaven and then um, our like salvation is tied to like not rejecting Jesus on earth, perhaps there's um, there's more to that conversation than we think there is. Anyways, that's like totally out of left field, but I wanted to throw it out there because I've never gotten to bring that up on, a, on an episode before. So... Uh, you're welcome to respond. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, I like never thought of that. Um, like literally like seeing, like, cause most of my friends are not Christian. So like that would mean like technically they would be eternally damned, but like, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think about that. Um, but yeah, wow. They should really have a, you know, group therapy for that. For sure. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, I mean, they're nice. So <laughs> I just, I just yeah. don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's that like entire, the entire dichotomy throughout the Bible of like good and evil. And like, that's such a big theme, but then it's also like not too far off are the, like, you should fear God. You should feel loved yeah. by God. Like it's Yeah. Yeah, it's so thought-provoking that I don't even like know how to respond to it in the moment. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I just I think the Bible paints this picture of the return of Jesus as so joyous and so beautiful. I think like we have to look into that and and say like there's a reason that this is only joyous and beautiful and I and I think that 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 reason can be connected to like maybe the things the things that we in our earthly forms would like worry about maybe that's not maybe that's not actually gonna happen i don't know i'm just questioning it because uh we're on a podcast why why shouldn't we question yeah question things well, a little bit, and also know? like wasn't there i forget his name but like this dude who literally like killed christians for fun and then he became like one of the biggest like prophets like yeah. later so i'm like you know my friends aren't killing Christians. <laughs> right, right, right. So, exactly, exactly. So um, if two plus two is four, then, you know, then, I don't know. But I'm just thinking about that, too. Like, I feel like there's so many different stories where, like, worse things have happened, guys. Yeah. So, yeah. If two plus two is four, if two plus two is four, then, like, what is hell? Then, like, <laughs> like you know. Then, like, I think we're okay. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Well, and then it gets even more just, like, complicated. Like, I've had conversations with friends who, um, who like, weren't raised Methodist and were, like, 
spent a lot of time in church talking about the rapture and like revelations and all of that kind of stuff. And they were like, dude, I used to come home from school. And like, if I couldn't find my mom, I would think that like I got left behind. And I'm like, as a six-year-old, that is so just traumatic. Yeah. And so it's like, how are you, like, you're being raised to, like, go to church and, like, embrace the Bible. And then you're going home after school and you literally can't find your mom and you're crying on your kitchen floor. Like, it's just, yeah. And, and like, when I think of the scriptures that talk about the returning of Jesus, we're not talking about that. And there might be a reason why we're not talking about that because maybe that's, like, not, I don't know. You know. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know. I'm just like, like that was never the emphasis for me. Right. But like right. it's no, there, yeah, yeah. but it's there. And I'm like, should we, should we talk about this? Yeah. 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 Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> uh, no, Lord. Uh, Oops. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, no, I mean, uh, like, again, I think, I think, it should, it's part of, it's part of that discussion. Right. Like, and I think we have, we have to acknowledge that like when we're celebrating the return of Jesus and celebrating the birth of Jesus, like it all comes full circle. And, and there's, there's so many parts of this conversation and um, maybe we don't, maybe, maybe it's not the right time to talk about, it, but maybe it is, you know? So, um, yeah. and I think, and I just think in a practical sense, like Christmas is such a like, good time of the year and i feel like we're all supposed to be happy and it's christmas and yeah but like we all have stuff going on like yeah. it doesn't have to be happy all the time yeah yeah my church my church is doing a, a they call it a blue christmas service which is which is a service specifically for those who have like are going into like advent for the first time without some loved ones and and i yeah. you know they're those that part of the conversation has to exist you know, it can't just be like all party all the time, right? Um, and uh, yeah, we can't be shouting and leveling the mountains all the time. We can't always no. level the mountains. We can't level the mountains every day. <laughs> if we keep leveling the mountains, there won't be mountains left. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I think. I think. I think we can. We can let all that into the ether and let our our viewers take what they want out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, Tess, do you want to close us in prayer? I can. Um, Lord, thank you for being strong and gentle. Thank you for being fearful and loving and all of the above. Thank you for covering us and comforting us in whatever season we're in, being whatever we need from you. Um, Thank you for also showing us that it's okay to have some conflict in our lives and to not feel good all the time. And thank you for showing us that we're not alone in that and that it is a human experience that everyone goes through. I hope that we can take these lessons into Advent and into the holiday season and use them as we embrace family or embrace the losses that we've had this year. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Vendela Tess, thank you so much for partaking in another one of these episodes. Uh, Happy Advent to everybody out there. Uh, Until next time, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. If 2 plus 2 is 4, then what even is hell? (laughs) Bye, y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.